Welcome back to the Justin Broker Podcast. My name is Graydon Square. I'm here with the man himself, Justin Broker. Today we have a special guest with us again, uh, Matt Beans. Matt Beans, welcome. What it is. How's How you it going, doing, boys? brother? How you doing? Good. Thanks let me for first me. Let me first say, and it's a pleasure to have you, let me first say uh, thank you to our last guest, Oscar. Oscar was yep. legit, kicked hella game about his journey uh, to his financial literacy, and we want to definitely acknowledge the fact that he kicked a lot of game, got some good knowledge out of uh, Justin for our listeners and stuff like that. Um, I also want to make sure that people understand that the email to reach us in case you want to send a message in for Justin to answer is the Justin Broker podcast at gmail.com. That email will be in the description. So if you're getting this off of Spotify or you're getting this off of Apple Podcasts, you can look in the description. There'll be a clickable link so you can just go there and, and send Justin a question. Sound good? Sounds great, bro. How you guys doing today? I'm great, man. It's been a great day. Yeah. We're really excited to be here again, and Matt's a good friend of mine and a entrepreneur, young guy that just came in the game and is crushing it. Um, he's just he's just got he picks up stuff really quick, and uh, I figured he'd be a great guest to bring on because not only are we we became friends through real estate, but we've done flips together. Um, I've mentored Matt. Matt's also done a ton of his own uh, work on himself to become even better, and I just um, I'm honored that he chose to come on the podcast and actually speak. And talk about his story because I feel like a lot of people like Matt just don't have a platform to really get out there, and mm -hmm. I think it's a it's a great thing to see a young, a young guy, a young man that's a young man that's just killing the game and making tons of money. And uh, yeah, I'm honored to have him here. Well, yeah. welcome, Matt. Excited to be here. Absolutely. So tell us a little bit about yourself. How did you number one? How'd you meet Justin? And then how did you become you know a pupil under yeah. his tutelage? This guy's got some good verbiage. <laughs> <laughs> I literally talk for a living, brother. I love it. I love, I love it. it. Absolutely. Cool. So I'm going to be a lot more elementary than that. <laughs> um, so I was actually working on a team that was wholesaling. And uh, so we 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 were acquiring deals. Um, moved into Phoenix. And I'll just give a super brief background. Moved into Phoenix. Uh, was in the mortgage game. And what I would do is to bring value to realtors at I'd bring in my own videographer to do a video of their house mm. in order to build that relationship to get uh, deals from them to do the mortgages. I uh, met, met a gentleman and uh, probably a year later he calls me up and says, hey, I'm starting a wholesale company. Do you want to join? And so it took me back to my junior year when I was reading about wholesaling on the interwebs. And uh, I t went and took some pictures and put it on the front of the envelope, sent them out, got three messages of how much of a POS I am that I'm making offers on all these houses, but I knew it worked, right? I did my research, everybody's doing it, all these courses, it's gotta be real. So I was like, let's do it, let's run it. Joined the team, joined his team as an acquisitions agent, uh, about two weeks into me joining, being completely new to the industry, 100% naive to what's going on and how this thing works. I uh, acquire some deals and I say, now what? He goes, well, our dispositions guy isn't doing dispo anymore. I was like, well, what does that mean? He's like, your deal's like, your deal's not getting sold. So I was like, so I have to sell my deal now, right? Mm -hmm. So I go and I start selling my deal, and then another acquisition guy gets another deal. This guy gets a deal. That guy gets a deal. Now I'm selling the deals and acquiring deals. Can I jump in real yeah, quick? Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. I just, yeah. I just wanted to, because I know the listeners are hearing, they don't maybe necessarily know what Dispo okay, and acquisition yeah. is, so mm -hmm. just give them more of a, a breakdown of what that is. Cool, yeah, let's do that. So um, there's two sides to wholesaling, right? 
first you've got to, there's two sides to any deal, right? There's two sides to any deal, whether it's uh, getting an order from your Shop- Shopify store or uh, doing real estate. You have to acquire the product. You have to acquire the skills. You have to acquire something. So in wholesaling, when you're wholesaling houses, you have to acquire that contract. You have to acquire the deal. So acquisitions is the guy or girl, they're calling people, they're door knocking, they're sending out flyers, they're on the phone, they're talking to the homeowners, and they're acquiring new deals. They're acquiring new purchase contracts. Now disposition is you disposing of those deals, right? It's a disposition side of the wholesale business. Just like when you sell your uh, Shopify, if you're selling online, you're disposing of your product. You're acquiring it from a uh, manufacturer, whether it's China, Mexico, white labeling it from another company, whatever, you're acquiring it, and then now you have to sell it. That industry is selling on Amazon or on their own website or via email. In real estate, we do the same thing, right? There's real estate websites, there's real estate email lists, there's wholesaler email lists. um, And so the marketing side of disposition is to sell the product. So acquisition buys a product, disposition sells it. So I'm selling my own deals now. But the other acquisitions agent don't have a dispo guy. So now I'm their dispo guy. So basically you had to do both jobs. So now I'm doing both jobs. And then it's, oh, we're switching the CRM. Oh, we need new data. Oh, we need new this. We need new that. Just just go over what a CRM is. CRM, customer relationship management. It's easy to have a relationship with 5, 10, 15, 20 people, right? It's easy to follow up, text them, email them. Hey, bro, what's going on tonight? You know, let's grab... Can I swing by your house? Um, I'm in the area. Can we swing, swing by your house and, you know, take this conversation further? But when you've got 100, 200, 300 people that you're maintaining a relationship with, that CRM is absolutely crucial, and I absolutely hate them. <laughs> and at this point, how many years of experience do you have actually doing this before you're managing this level of? Four months. Wow. I'm in this, I'm, I'm in, I'm in this game for four months. And I find myself being the dispositions manager. And then I get frustrated because I was kind of pushing, you know, the acquisitions. And now I'm doing dispo. Well, now acquisitions doesn't have a man. Nobody's pushing them to get deals. So now after I'm done with my marketing for dispositions to sell the deals, I'll go and jump on other people's leads to call them so we can lock deals up. So let me ask you this question. You're going through this. You're four months in. And you know Justin at this point or you haven't met him? So Justin came in the picture probably about nine months into me being at that company. Okay, so yeah, I, I do want you to fill in that remaining yeah. five months because I do think it offers context to what then Justin's influence would have been. Absolutely. So now I'm going to go into a subset of dispositions, right, and acquisitions and break this industry down a little bit further. So you've got two types, you've got two main types of deals or two main types of, let's just say, leads, right? One you're paying for. You're going out, whether that's text blasting, email blasting, direct mail, pay-per-click campaigns on Google, Bing, Yahoo, um, mailers, door knocking, driving for dollars. Anything it takes. Whatever it takes to go, and you are physically controlling that, right? That, that is one type of avenue. Another avenue is doing what's called a co-wholesale. So, Graydon, let's say you're a wholesaler. Okay. You're new to the industry. You hear this podcast. This guy's been at this company for four months. He's got me going. You thought about doing wholesaling before. Ignites your fire. Now you say, "Hey, I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go drive for dollars this weekend." Okay. Cool. You lock up a deal. You just freaking crush it. You lock up a deal, but 
you don't know Justin, so you don't know anybody who's going to buy this deal, right? How are you going to make money, right? You have a contract, but you're like, but hey, you have to dispose of that contract. Yeah, yeah. So you say, hey, Matt, dude, I'm I listen to I listen to the podcast. You reach out to Justin, whoever you reach out to, and you say, hey, uh, I have this deal. I got it for a hundred. Um, I think it's worth two hundred, and uh, we can sell it at let's just say one forty. So now I go and I have a relationship and I say, hey, Justin, let's say you don't know Justin. Right. Hey, Justin, I've got this deal I can sell for the 140. It's worth 200, needs maybe 20 grand. I think there's 40K rip there. You'll probably net 30. Justin says, I'll take it. So let's just say there's a $40,000 rip on that. We're going to do some sort of split on that deal. And that's a co-wholesale. Okay. So for those remaining five months from kind of the time that I took over the management position, to meeting Justin and even a little bit after meeting Justin, um, my job was to sell deals that our internal acquisitions agents were getting and acquire deals from other wholesalers. Mm, okay, so Justin, my question to you then to follow up on, on Matt's point is, how did he come up on your radar? How did, he, how did you know that he had the mindset and that he was already on the path towards someone that you could you could mentor and tutor in that way so start be told there's we have a mutual friend you know yeah. that we know in the business and he owns the company and i've done probably i don't know 50 deals with the guy over the last couple of years and it said you know essentially matt worked at that company so i went in there he he was like hey we're doing a couple of deals together justin do you want to stop by the company the office so i went over to his office I'm sitting in the conference room, and of course, Matt, who's very uh, determined to <laughs> to make it at the time, he was a young guy, and he was like, "Bro, I'm only making like 50k a year, um, you know." And I'm at that point, I'm a multimillionaire, and he's like, "Hey, bro, you know, can you, you know, can you give me some words of wisdom, or like, tell me a little bit about yourself, tell me what deals you've done?" So I, he, he didn't believe me. Yeah, hold on, I'm gonna back up. I'm gonna come back up. So Justin, I don't know how, how the perception is on the podcast, but Justin in real life. Um, he's the guy that when, when there's a crowded room and Justin walks in the room, everybody knows Justin's in the room, right? Very, I call it big dick energy, mm. very, you know, big personality. Like Justin is larger than life, larger he's than life. Larger he's, than, he's, absolutely. He's, you agree. You hear, well, you hear about these people in history, right? Mm -hmm. That, you know, and I'm, look, I'm not going to try to compare you directly to this person. So people don't get crazy, but. <laughs> yeah like a Winston Churchill. Mm -hmm. And people will describe a Churchillian-like energy, right? Or even MLK, right? His mm -hmm. energy, right? There are people out there throughout history who have a gravity about them that mm -hmm. will draw people in. And I do believe that's one of the main reasons why we met and we clicked the way that we did because I felt that gravity. I'm like, this dude has something to say. He just needs a platform to say it. Mm -hmm. I could just answer, ask him one question. His answer will take us through a whole podcast. Absolutely. So let me make sure he has that that particular platform so he can do that. But you're saying when you met him, he already had that energy. Oh, he's had, I don't know how long he's had that. I imagine for a while, but um, yeah. And so you felt the same thing I did. No, for sure. And then the reason why I was asking you is because if you guys had met and he had not had that energy, do you We think, wouldn't be here. Okay. No. Okay. And, and honestly, at first I took it as arrogance, ego, pride, you know, all these things that I would previously say were bad attributes, you know, like somebody that's full of themselves, somebody that uh, just has something to prove better than everybody else. That's kind of the way that I took it. 
and I had nothing to lose. I had my job. I wasn't making crazy money, but I had a job. I mean, I was wholesaling. I was in the industry. I was moving along at a pace that I didn't, I didn't love it, but I didn't hate it. So when he starts telling me about all these things, I literally were sitting, <laughs> we're standing at our uh, the front receptionist area. And I was like, come here. And so I sit down at a computer, literally first time I met him. I'd never met Justin before, but I had nothing to lose. So I sit down at the computer. I was like, what's your LLC name? Look it up. And he's telling me about his past and like how he started this company and some things went south with his other business partners yep. and all this stuff. And I'm like, what's the LLC name? I look it up. What's the guy's name? What's the guy's name? Who's this guy's name? Yep. And who formed it? Who formed the LLC? Yep. Like looking up probably 10 minutes, we sat there. I'm just drilling and fact checking at the same time. And I was like. And he's got nothing to prove to you. He's got he nothing. He could easily he just did. walk away and be like, yeah, whatever. Easy. He could have been like, dude, I don't want to waste my time yeah. with you. He could have easily done that. I don't know why he didn't, honestly, to this day. I'm like, I don't know why he doesn't do so, that. So let me ask that question then directly to you, Justin. What is it about that energy do you recognize in yourself? Do you, do you, are you actively conscious of it? And, and I guess a follow-up question to that is, how does that then affect you when you're on the phone or you're getting ready to do a deal, that particular energy and confidence? Because I think that's important. So, so one of the things that... I've always been is very like a humble guy. Like, yeah. yes, I make money and yes, I'm a hustler, but I'll talk to anybody. Like, you know, I don't have this like, oh, you're this person or you're this religion or you're this race or, you know, I don't care. Like, I don't, assholes are in every color, you know, every religion. You don't need to be a certain person. So to me, it was like, well, Matt wasn't rude to me. He didn't say, I don't believe you. He just said, let's back it up. Mm -hmm. So I don't feel like I was intimidated or felt uncomfortable because what I was saying was truthful. I feel like if I was lying, it would have been uh, perceived, you know, he would have been like, you're full of shit. There's, I'm looking at the corporation commission <laughs> and your name's not on here. You know what I mean? Your name's not on here. What are you talking about? You had this company, you did all this stuff. So I feel like because he was like just curiosity and he's a young guy, I'm 38. He was what, 23 at the time? 23, yeah. I mean, I looked at him like a little brother, you know? I wasn't intimidated by him. Um, I'm not intimidated by 99% of people. I mean, there's probably a few celebrities I'd be a little, you know, intimidated by. Um, if I met The Rock, I'd probably be like, oh, it's The Rock, you know, and have a little <laughs> bit of, you know, that, that because I, I love The Rock's movies, yeah, and I sure. think The Rock's a good dude. Um, also a big fan of Kevin Hart, obviously. But it was just the fact that he was just like, hey, I want to know if you're real. And I feel like when you're genuine with somebody, they feel genuine back. Mm -hmm. I feel like if you come across awkward, they come across awkward. Mm -hmm. People mirror you. And if you're one of those people that's in a bad mood, you're going to give that other person a bad mood. They're going to feel your energy. And when he was looking me up, I was like, okay, nothing to hide. you know. And that's the beautiful thing about this, this podcast is, guys, you can ask me any questions you want. I have nothing to hide. You know, hey, um, speaking of which, let me cheap plug here the Justin Broker podcast at gmail.com. If you want to ask Justin anything, we'll go ahead, Justin. Yeah, and, and I encourage people like, if you feel doubt or you feel like this isn't genuine or you feel like, you know, we're not telling the truth, ask me, you know. And the other thing is, the other thing really sincerely is, you know, I've been on stage in front of 900 people, I spoke at a few seminars, and I can tell you, yes, I've been told, like, hey, your presence is, is there. Sometimes, and I'm in a relationship, you know, my my lady, it could be too much. You know, sometimes people are around me and they're like, oh, my God, bro, like, can you just chill? Like, your energy is so drawing that, and not that I'm draining on people, but that I, it's so much. It's so much intensity so quickly. So what I like about this podcast is I'm able to get reached people that may or may not be able to have an hour conversation with me on the phone, but they're able to listen to this and hear um, 
you know, the tr- the raw, real stuff. So mm-hmm. I think the answer to your question, Graydon and, and Matt, is I didn't feel intimidated. I felt comfortable, Matt. I, I felt like, hey, if this guy's willing to do this, he's probably smart enough to do more. And at that time, I didn't know Matt wanted to future flip with me or that we were going to do deals. We didn't know at that time. We just met each other. It was That was it. But over that moment, we built we started building a, a friendship and and then slowly but surely he was like, hey bro, you know, he met other people that work for me and work with me. And he's like, they told him it's legit. Yeah. And Matt finally felt comfortable in the future. So it took him a while. I would say I would say we didn't do our first deal for no. six, nine, twelve months. Like it wasn't like yeah. we met and we just started hanging out and it was I mean if if I'm gonna spend my time with somebody and like pursue that friendship, I I want that long term friendship. Right. I want the I want the Justin when he has grandkids. I want you know, like I want that friend. You and s- so uh, I don't mean to interrupt you, but you said something interesting because it, it showed the level of commitment in trying to validate or mm-hmm. falsify someone's yeah. claims, which is you looked him up on something and you had mentioned the the name of the place he looked you up on, but I, could, I didn't catch it. What was the name of the, the site he or the business? So, so he pulled up Arizona Corporation, Arizona Corporation Commission, right? <laughs> so you can go Google Arizona Corporation Commission, Google, hit a search, type in my LLC and you can find out who owns it. Um, and sometimes they're owned by another LLC that owns another LLC, but eventually you can, hopefully you can find the name. In that, in that case, my LLC owned another LLC, but he found the name of it. But like most people don't know that most people don't know how to pull data and you know matt knew that which again was a little impressive at a 23 year old young guy could pull data on me find out about me it wasn't intimidating but it was like wow this guy actually knows how to do that mm-hmm. most people would probably be like oh, okay cool and then have a nice day but matt was like matt takes everything one thing i can give matt a comment on is matt takes everything to the next level Matt's not the kind of guy, like, if he's like, oh, you're doing flip, I want to see it. That's Matt. Matt's not like, oh, cool. <laughs> like, if Matt's interested, if he's not interested, then he's not going to waste his time. Right. Because <laughs> he's very, Matt will tell you, like, I don't want to do that. Yeah, like, no, not no, I'm not interested in that <laughs> at all. And he's very sharp when it comes to what he wants to do. But what makes Matt special is Matt does what he says. And that is as simple as that sounds, it's not so simple. Not. Most people... You tell them something, and six months later, you're like, hey, so whatever happened with that? Oh, man, you know, this happened, this happened, this happened. Matt's like, oh, I already did it. <laughs> I'm like, what do you mean? Oh, I already closed on the house. What are you talking about? Well, we're doing the flip. I go, Matt, we just did the contract Monday. What do you mean? It's Wednesday, Matt. Well, I already got the money, and I'm already closing the deal. And Matt, <laughs> was, Matt was like, Matt just did it. And it blew me away because I'm like, okay, he's 20. Like, at the time, it was, like, probably 24. He's, like, 24-year-old guy, and he's he meets me, who's been in the business, you know, what, since 2005? And he meets me, and I've been flipping since the crash, so let's say 2009, yeah. 8 and 9. Um, so for, like, 12 years. He comes in, and I've been in 12 years, and he's like, all right, I'm going to do it. And they blew me away. Like, he was like, I'm doing it. I know people that are still, like, three years later that are my friends and people I know in my circle that – have Matt's have the money Matt has, but haven't taken the, the the step. And I want to talk about the money side of this, like for real, one hundred percent. Like because but, but, but and before we get into that, hold that thought because I do want to kind of backtrack a little bit because there's a question that I have for you that I want you, Justin, to answer. Right. Okay. So you said he started at twenty three years old. Yeah. And I w- I really want to make this point because 
people feel like they're not at the right age or it's never the right time or there's always this excuse as too young. No one's going to take me seriously. Exactly. Uh, Listen, there are people starting off even younger than Matt, and you can probably start as late as you still have your faculties about you. There's no time as to when you can get into this. If you have the hustle and the drive to, you know, like a Matt Beans and say, hey, listen, I'm going to look look it up, I'm going to do what I say I'm going to do, then there's really no excuse why you can't succeed in this field. So my question to you, Justin, about Matt is, if you were a 23-year-old Matt Beans, would you have changed anything about how he started? Would you have done anything about how, how he did it? Because the way he did it kind of seemed like a way that a lot of people should do it. Get your feet wet, understand the game, then get a mentor, because then you can actually speak the language, provide value, and then you can go on to kind of study and get your black belt under a grandmaster. Does, does that seem accurate? Well, so real estate flipping is the business we're talking about at the moment. So real estate flipping is, there are houses that are cosmetic, you know, carpet, paint, granite. Anybody with a half of a brain can do those. Okay. Never done one. Haven't seen it. Yeah. That, I don't think I've they exist. <laughs> I've done I've done a few, but I've been doing it since, I mean, I started buying at the crash where we had houses that were paint carpet. But again, now um, it's a lot more goes in the process. What I would say is because Matt got in kind of the end of the crash, you know, the crash happened in like 08, 09, and then the market was kind of junky till 2014, 2015, and then it started moving slowly back up. And it's really blown up the last year. But as far as, as, far as Matt, goes most houses that we buy now are needing everything you know you're you're getting people that are like landlords are over the house right now so the market shifts and what people don't realize is flipping changes you know when i first started it was lipstick then it became and that's all we had lipstick houses for like four years what what does that mean by the lipstick is like the the knowledge it's just paint carpet change fixtures you know very minimal clean landscaping yeah just cleaning the property up making it get a loan, you know, because the home has trash carpet and no paint. A lot of lenders don't want to loan on those. They want to loan on stuff that's clean. There are loans for those people, but they're more work. You know, people don't want to have to go remodel their home and then move in. There are people who buy that like that, but most people just want to move in, you know, and if they change paint, that's one thing. But most people want to be able to move in, move their kids in, and not have to go get flooring redone and go get the showers redone. And that's, it's a pain in the butt. I've lived in a house while it's being remodeled. I don't recommend it. Mm. Um, <clears throat> so one of the biggest reasons that Matt was able to take it and run with it is Matt was like, Hey, I want to go. I want a shadow, you know? And this is the other thing I think we should bring up. And I'm not going to name this guy, but he was also being um, lied to about properties to buy and telling him that they're great deals and they weren't. Mm -hmm. And I remember him telling me before he started flipping, actually right when he bought his first flip with me, he actually asked me if I could go look at this house for him. And I walk and I look at it. Matt's naive. You know, he doesn't know um, the market like I do at the time. You know, he doesn't. He didn't know it. I mean, I still have a lot of so knowledge. So he wouldn't have known what to spot. He wouldn't have known what to spot other than cosmetic stuff. Well, when you and when you're getting started, you're <laughs> eager, right? Like yeah. you're like, I want to do this. So you're 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 in your mind. You've got <laughs> you've got beer goggles on, and that three's a ten, right? <laughs> the three's a ten. Okay. You've, you've got you're 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 not only naive. You don't know the market. You've never flipped. You're eager, you're hungry, you're determined, you're motivated. You've got this concoction of like excitement in you, and you're like, I can make it work. I think what he's saying is young, dumb, young, dumb, full of gum. That's yeah. it. Absolutely. I think that's, that's what he's saying. He's, he was, he was hungry. A lot of blinders. The yeah. thing, the thing is though, 
even with that, his mentor was lying to him. And so I want to I want to bring this up because this is a great point. Always never a bad idea to get a second opinion. Mm-hmm. It's never a bad idea to get a second opinion. And Matt was smart to be like, hey, Justin, you do this. What do you think? And at the time, if it was a good deal, I would have told Matt, buy it. The problem was there was an apartment complex in the backyard. And I go, dude, do you really want that apartment complex looking over your, your house? That's a huge negative. I said, the other thing is the house was like a one bath. I go, dude, in this area, you need at least two bathrooms. And I think the other bathroom was tr- just destroyed. And I think there's a bathroom in the kitchen. Like, we walked in, weird, and there yeah, was a bathroom a in the kitchen. Like, I'm like, Matt, this is... And the guy's like, yeah, you could buy this house for 205 or two whatever it was, and remember. it's worth... And this is, like, a couple years ago. And this, it Where was, was the house located? Three-something. Uh, Central Phoenix. Okay. You know, right off the, the 10 freeway and... Um, I think like 32nd Street and the 10th Freeway. And I actually had a house, surprisingly, like a mile away. Mm -hmm. I told Matt, I go, I just talked to this investor. He has a rental. There's fire damage in the attic, but let's go look at it. Um, The guy's willing to take, I think, like 160 or something, 150 or 160. And he was like, let's go look at it. So we walked that house, and it's little. It was like 700 square feet. And Matt's like, this is tiny. This would be way easier to model. Um, And we flipped that, and I think it made like $50,000, $60,000 in a period of like three months. And Matt was like, oh, my God, dude, I want to do another one. And we did several after that. But the biggest thing is, and I and I, I preach this because you get a guy that's like Matt who's hungry and aggressive. You could still fuck up. You could still make a mistake. You could have a mentor that's bad. And so I think it's really imperative um, to get a second opinion. And, I, and even people buy my properties, they get a second opinion. Like Oscar, his wife comps him, you know. That's not a bad thing. It doesn't offend me. Who has a history. It yeah, knows. it doesn't offend me. And in fact, if it does offend you, you're a piece of shit anyway. Right. Like if you're somebody who's like, oh, don't get another opinion, then well, you're you trying to, to be shady. Absolutely. Yeah. So I feel like if somebody gets weird on you, like, why don't you trust me? And da, 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 move on. Mm-hmm. Um, just trust your your contacts. And one thing that Matt was smart about was he was able to be like, hey, man, I trust you now, Justin. Come give me your opinion. And I wouldn't buy that house even now, even with the market the way it is. I would never buy that house. It doesn't matter what. The, even even though right now the comps are went up and stuff since two years ago, I wouldn't buy the house. But had you not had the experience that you've had in the real estate market, do you think you would have fell for that? Being you know a young Matt Beans at twenty three years old, because I think that is something that people worry about too. No, I wouldn't have only because I was a realtor first. So I was a realtor first. So I had experience like what people don't like. So I feel like that was what gave me more information. I think being a realtor for three years before I actually started investing gave me a lot of insight into the market. Um, and I definitely think if you're a person out there and you're like, hey, you know what? I don't really want to jump into flipping right now, but I want to go get a real estate license or I want to be a loan officer. Um, I want to be in title escrow or I want to do insurance or whatever. Anything you want to do or even in construction, anything you want to do, you get insight. And I feel like the insight I got really helped me when the market crashed to know what I should buy. And when you deal with buyers, you hear everything. And one thing that was, I was very lucky is I sold when it was like between 05 and 09, or sorry, 05 to 08, three years in as an agent, I sold about a thousand houses. You know, the market was insane. I sold like two, 300 homes a year. People now are like, oh my God, that's so many homes. I only sold 50 to 70 to 80 a year. The reason why I sold so many homes is at that time, it wasn't, I mean, literally, we, the economy was different. We had, we were overbuilt. There was tons of homes. Um, people were buying homes like you couldn't even imagine. You could get financing like with no money down. That was around the time that Maricopa popped up, right? Like Mar- as a city. city. Yeah, yeah. As a, You're as talking a, about like south of Ahwatukee? Yeah, and stuff? absolutely. Like where yeah. you go up that main highway. It started growing and, like okay. late 2000s. Yeah. Um, but the reason why Maricopa dropped so bad when the market crashed is because it, was, it had no freeway to it. And that road, if you take it off the 10 and you get off the freeway, if anybody knows in Arizona, 
it takes like 30 minutes to yep. get down there from the freeway. But if you had a road right through, it'd be like 10 <clears> minutes. So, you know, that's why Queen Creek blew up faster than Maricopa because of the commute and the transportation, all that. Not to mention Mesa Airport went in. So you got an airport in the East Valley that's close to Queen Creek, Santan. The, the thing is, you have to look at your infrastructure. You also have to look at your audience. And one thing that Matt, Matt was aggressive and he was hungry and he was a worker. But knowledge does. That's why having a right mentor, because if someone's just in it to make money off you, and this is the truth. A lot of the guys in the business in Arizona, I'm not going to name names because I don't want to you know, defame them, but a lot of people care more about their pocket than yours. Okay? And so you have to really discern who can I trust with my money? You know, and if you borrow money, who if you borrow money from a family friend or, or your mom, dad, sister, cousin, grandpa, grandpa, you inherit the money, really think about who you're doing business with. Are they interested in just a quick deal or do they want you to make money so they can make more long term? Mm. So, I mean, a lot to unpack there. And I think a lot of that has to do with the motivation aspect of people being blinded by maybe they're coming from a situation where they don't come from money and they want it really bad. So it's like, hey, man, hey, it's it's doggy dog out here. It doesn't matter. And I'm assuming you mean stay away from those people as well, right? I think that if if you meet somebody and the first thing they tell you is buy at my house, they're probably a bad, bad figure for you. Um, I think you should build a relationship with anybody. I think same thing with a loan officer. Hey, this is what I'm doing. Are you the right fit? You know, this is what I'm planning on doing. I want to buy 10 rentals. Okay. Prepare me. What do I need to do? Oh, you need two years tax returns. Oh, you need, you need your W-2s. Oh, you need this. Oh, you're independent. You're, uh, you're self-employed. Okay. I need your schedules. I need your K-1s. I need this. You want someone that's going to tell you what you need to do because maybe that loan officer, you're like, Hey, you know what? Right now I'm not going to be able to buy anything because I don't have all that ready yet. But in two years, I'm coming to you. Okay. Um, it doesn't have to be overnight. The thing is, so everybody has different levels and everybody has a different motivation matt he wanted to get going on it because he was like hey this wholesaling thing sucks i remember at the time he got tired of wholesaling and he was like look i'd rather flip i want to get my hands dirty and then he did that and he's like well i want to go back to wholesaling Mm. but he also he also was somebody that wants bigger picture and so some people go in the business and they're they're happy to flip you know they just want to flip and that's it and that's their game and i know a lot of people that make 500 grand a year 200 grand a year 300 grand a year on the side on top of their job um, I also know people that are happy with just buying like a second property rental. So you have to ask your motivation. What is it that you want? Okay. Back to the first episode, like goals. you got to have goals. If you don't have goals, you're not going to get there. And one thing about Matt that made him even more successful is he has a girlfriend that's extremely smart too. And she also encouraged him, mm. you know, had his back. And that's what I talked about. Oscar, his wife was more supportive than somebody else that worked for me. His wife was way against it. Um, and that's a weird thing, man. We talk about that and having people try to talk you out of things that yeah. is, is the best thing for you. And you got to be conscious of having those people in your life, those type of energy vampires that will yeah. suck that positive motivational energy, that aggressive hustler yeah. attitude out of you because they're threatened by it. So you got to be worried about that. Well, I got a question for Matt because you brought up something earlier. Uh, about the money aspect. And I know you wanted to talk to that. I told you yeah. to hold that thought. So I, I'm, I'm bringing this back around to that because I think it's important. Now, are you comfortable talking about yeah, how much absolutely. money you've made? Because I don't want to, you know, you, know, you might be got, got some IRS problems. Or no, no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> uh, but seriously, though, like I, I always want to want to ask because, you know, I don't want to ask anything that's, that's too crazy. But what was the most that you ever made once you figured this game out? What was your largest year and 
how did you get from where you described earlier, which is your, your entry into the game and, you know, right when you met Justin to your highest point? I would, so I actually want to back up and provide like real value rather than, uh, you know, say how much money I've made or haven't made. So I want everybody to understand, we're talking about 23 to 25 year old me, right? And you look at these houses we're buying, one was 145, one was two something, and then I think two of them were like mid 200,000s, right? You need 20% down, plus renovation costs. Like your out-of-pocket expense for these things is a hundred grand, right? I can't, I remember, so I got my, my first job, my first legal job, right? Because mm-hmm. you work, for, when you're 14, you go work for your uncle or your brother or whoever just to make a little money. I remember my first job, I made $600 in like a two-week period, seven twenty-five an hour, working at a bowling alley, doing dishes and cleaning up the lanes. That was so much money to me. Like, I didn't know what to do with $600. So I started educating myself, like, what do I do with this? Because... I had people in my life that would go buy the cool shit, dude. They'd go buy the sand rails. But that's Matt Beans, though. He'll go, he'll say, what do I do with $600 as a kid? <laughs> when most kids are, like, smoking weed up. And yeah. like, or buying video games. Buying video or games or Jordans. Drugs, want to drink, buy Jordans alcohol, and whatnot. whatever. Yeah, I'm sorry, go ahead. No, yeah. it's cool. No, I remember, I, I remember being <laughs> younger, and all the kids had Vans on, and I wanted a pair of Vans. We couldn't afford them. Like, no. It was like, we, I did not come from money. So my, the hustle, like I went to the gym the other, we just moved back to Tempe and I went to the gym the other day, Mountainside Fitness. And she goes, what's your motivation level? And I told her like three. And she's like, what? You seem like you have so much more motivation. I was like, I don't, like I'm not, working out sucks. Writing all these checks sucks. Like it all sucks. It's painful. It's terrible. But I feel such an obligation to do it. For me, for Kat for my friends, for my family, for my future kids, for my future self. You know, like I don't want to be who I am today in 10 years. I want to be a different person. I want to be a better person, more fit, wealthier, better friends, better family. So I want to go back to, I'm working a job, I'm making $50,000, $60,000 a year. And that's not going to cut it out. Like my year salary is less than what it's going to take to flip my first house. My down payment on my first house is 40 grand. Plus, I spend 50 grand in renovation costs. Like, I don't, you know what I'm saying? Like, wow. you got to get creative here. Like, when you start running the numbers, you're like, okay, you're making five grand a month. You're killing it at 22 years old. Dude, I'm trying to flip a house. Like, my year, one year salary isn't enough. For the down payment. For the, for, well, for down payment and renovation costs, right. right? And I still have to pay my rent, eat, put gas in the car, pay my phone bill, pay my... In- You're probably internet. not renovating this alone. You're probably paying people to do that as well, right? Yeah, I'm yeah. paying a crew. I'm paying for materials. Um, you know, like, I'm making it happen. And so I want to get st- super strategic on how we did this is, um, one, I always took care of my credit cards. Any debt that I had, student loans, credit cards, I've never had a car payment, is... I've always saved, I've always been a saver because I knew I wanted to flip houses and I knew I wanted to get into real estate. So I didn't know exactly what I was saving up for, but I knew I'd rather have 10 grand in the bank than not have 10 grand in the bank. But now that I have some money, I have some credit cards that I have, you know, decent limits on and my credit's pretty decent. So literally in a one week period, I applied for 20 credit cards at $50,000 a piece. 
I just went for it. That's six hundred thousand dollars that I just asked for. Did you get it? <laughs> so obviously some got denied, and none of them none of them got approved for fifty grand. But I, I walked out of that with seventy thousand dollars in zero percent interest credit cards for anywhere from twelve to eighteen months. So now I have seventy grand at zero percent interest. That now I have to do something with it, right? Like it's it's free money technically, so I need to go create an ROI off of this money, which is where when I started looking at houses. I have that in the back of my head too. I have $70,000 I have to spend to make money on in order to pay this back. Because when I got those credit limits, I called every single one of those banks and said, I need to balance transfer this money, but I can't do it online. I need you to put the money in my bank account. I got all that money, I got 70 grand. I didn't even know you could do that. Now you know, now you know. And that's why this podcast, you guys gotta listen to this podcast. Oh my goodness, it's so crazy. So much value. So I get 70 grand into my bank account at 0% interest. And now I have that monthly payment though, right? So every month now I'm writing a check to the, these credit cards, monthly payment. And so now I'm, so like that changes the game. But for anybody that's like, oh, I don't have the money. Oh, I don't have the time. I don't have this. I don't have that. I did some of the work on that house just because I wanted to. I wanted to learn. I wanted, I want to have the experience doing it. Even if I screw it up, and somebody needs to fix it or correct it, I want to be there and see how the process goes and do some of the work so I know what it takes. Like, you don't know how your guy feels after he's been loading the bobcat all day, moving rock and putting up fence and running a crew all day for three days unless you go do it. Because it's easy to be like, hey, bro, can you just spread the rock? It's going to take, what, two days? And then the next day he's doing plumbing, and the next day they're doing electrical, and then the next day they're putting the the drywall up. Mm. How do these guys feel? So then when they ask for two days off, I want a Friday and a Monday off so I can go to California and spend time with my family. Yes, go do it. You deserve it. Thank yeah. you for the work, yeah. right? You appreciate it so much more. So that first house, I did do it, but hi we, oh. hi we hired a crew and I got the money from the bank. Like, yeah. guys, there's they just printed trillions of dollars. There's <laughs> money out there. You just have to get it and you have to give people a reason to give it to you. And now that I'm in the game, it's a little bit easier. I can call my friends up and say, hey, I was just on a phone call today. Hey, bro, do you have any, like, what are you doing with your extra money right now? He's like, dude, I have, I have so much cash right now. Like, I need to spend it. I was like, cool. I've got some real estate deals. I can send them over to you in a spreadsheet. If you want to do it, do it. If not, don't. But, like, they're pretty good opportunities. So let's like, let's do it. Yeah, and so, you're sending him those those deals mm -hmm. with the assumption that if he makes those deals, you're obviously going to make money off of that as well. Yeah, your we'll deals. both make money. Right, exactly. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, we're just gonna fit, we're, we'll just do a partnership on it. But to start, I didn't want to ask my family. I, my family has no money. My friends have a little money, but all my friends at 22 years old that I'm friends with, they're either still in college or starting their business. So they're all not that Tapped they're broke, out. but like. I mean, dude, I have, that yeah. money's committed. Yeah. It's committed. Yeah. Well, I had a, you know, one friend, he, you got 10 grand in your bank account today. You have zero tomorrow and you're late on a credit card payment because you're putting so much money back in the business. Yeah. So I had, I mean, I didn't really have anybody to go to the banks right down the street and there's a hundred of them. Mm. Go ask for money. This is what they do, right? So, they lend money for you to make money. So well, you got to have the one thing Matt had is good credit. Right, have like he said, credit. he take care of his credit cards. You guys got to keep your credit cards under ten percent if you want to have the best credit. And you got to make sure you pay pay everything on time or pay it off. 
Um, Matt was financially credit responsible, mm-hmm. right? That's something. So if you got a 500 credit score right now, get some credit repair. Reach out to some people to get that fixed. Start paying your bills. Everybody wants a, a instant satisfaction. You know, <laughs> oh, I'm going to pay this company three grand to fix everything. That's not. These companies lie. They're just looking to see if they can get something off and it, your credit gets better for a month and then it, other shit ba- pops back on and you're done. Mm. So just pay your bills or don't get credit. And what a lot of people don't understand is use the money you make, get a credit card to pay the stuff you normally pay for. Keep the money in your bank and then I'm going to pay it off. People don't realize, like there was a guy who was online on Facebook. He was talking about he's literally uses his own income. He uses the credit cards to buy everything. He gets like two to 5% cash back. The dude went on vacation all over the world on his cash back. Over 10 years, he saved enough cash back. So Matt's right. Ask for money. But if you don't have a good credit score, don't waste your time. Get your credit right first. But if you have a credit score above a 730, 740, mm-hmm. apply. But if you got a credit score of 650, 620, get your score up. Yeah. Um, and don't don't be pissed. Be like, well, Matt, Matt said he did it. I, why can't I do it? Well, you got to have good credit. Like you said, a lot of banks said no, but you only need one to say yes. Is there a specific type of credit that a person going into real estate would look to build? Or is there is it basically just all the same credit? Because I know some people will lump school loans in there or medical bills and hits to the credit. How does that I'd work? I'd say just focus on your FICO score. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that DTI, there's a lot. Okay. So there's a lot of factors. I'm not a credit expert. Okay. I, my credit score is really good right now, but what you do is this is a simple solution. Fucking pay what you can fucking afford. If you can't fucking buy that car, that car that's $800 a month and your salary is three grand a month, you're a fucking moron. Don't have a car payment $800 a month. I know a lot of people who couldn't buy a house over a car payment, okay? Don't buy Damn. a fucking car. Buy a house first. Well, and hold on. I want to back up and dive into that more because if you're in, in that situation, you just heard that comment and you're offended, you need to go look in the mirror. Because I had a roommate when I like kind of when right before we were doing all this, and she mentioned like, "Hey, um, I don't have money." And this was a thing like month after month after. And I'm like, "Didn't you like literally just get paid yesterday?" She's like, "Yes." So I sat down one day and I just asked her point blank like, "How much is this? How much is this? How much is this? How much? How, how much are you paying for this?" And I was like, "Dude, you're losing money every month." I was like, "Your number one thing you need to do right now is get rid of your car payment." She's like, oh, but I love my car. Okay, well, love your car and go bankrupt because if you stay on this path, you're getting bankrupt. Yeah. Unless that car is making you money. If you like, if you need to go take a car, a loan, car payment out to to get a loan and go drive for Uber or drive Grubhub, like make some extra cash, and you can finance that thing at five hundred bucks a month, and you can make, you know, fifteen hundred a month. Like now you're now you're net positive, right? Like that's the investor. You have to like, if you're want to be a real estate investor, you need to be an investor. How right. are you? How are you investing your time? How are you investing your money? And it's not just in real estate. The right? only Justin spent yeah. a couple grand to set this podcast up because the investment for him to set this podcast up and take the time to do this every week, um, and for Graydon to come out here and do this is to provide value. Hopefully, he gets some deals, and he wants to help other people make money because if if we only have a handful of of successful people in this world. We are screwed. Right. We need a lot of successful people. Yep. And to take the charge and sit in a room and take the expense of creating a podcast to make that happen, that's an investment for Justin, not only for him, but for a community that he's building. Yeah. And not to denigrate successful people, too. I feel like we live in a climate of denigration of success. It's like the more successful you are, the more people like to denigrate that success oh, yeah. and say, oh, you cheated. Oh, you cheated a person out of there. That's why you're rich. You know, it's no... 
maybe that person just did the legwork. You know, maybe that person picked up the phone more than you were willing to pick up the yeah, phone and, and talk I, to the people you weren't willing to talk to. And, and the formula for success, I believe, is pretty simple. If you see an opportunity, people are willing to pay for it, and you have a solution, that's success, right? The, the, money, the money is the result of the work. The money is the result yeah. of identifying an opportunity, yeah. putting a process in place to fix it, and doing it on a larger scale, yeah. right? So in real estate, whether it's helping the, the seller sell, helping the buyer buy, and putting those two together, right? Mm. Taking a turd of a house, making it beautiful, so that way somebody moving in, you can look at immigration, you can look at all these things of why people buy houses, and making that your product. Yeah. I also want to touch base on something that just happened. So for everybody to know, I went to a meeting. Uh, one of my one of my guys who works for my team, he's a contractor, his name's Sammy, really good guy. Uh, he's one of Oscar's friends. Actually, I met him through Oscar. He works for my company now and does deals with us. He had an appointment. He wanted me to go. He said he listened to the podcast. He got super fired up, and he had me go meet a seller. Okay. And I'm bringing this up because I think it's really important. And if he's listening to the podcast, because I know the seller listened to it, um, this is for you. So you should know who you are. Um, I came over to their house Monday night. I brought Adam with me, who's my VP. And we walked in their house. And Sammy was running late because he was at a property in Tucson. He was driving back with Curtis. And they're another guy on my team. And something weird happened. So I... At like 6.30, I called Adam. I'm like, hey, Sammy's not going to make it there. I, I, you know, would you like to come with me? I feel like, you know, because Adam is also an, another Christian like me and believer in God. So I asked him, I said, would you come with me to this appointment? Just the last minute. I was like, well, I'm at my house in Phoenix. It'll take me 45 minutes to get to you. I said, all right, man, you know, cool. So he gets to my house, perfect timing. Um, my, my fiance just made ribs. So I gave, I gave, uh, and and she cooks really good. So shout out to women who can cook out there. (laughs) And, uh, so he was like, man, that's amazing. So we ended up driving to the appointment. It's about 30 minutes from my house. Um, we go to this house and the guy, he owns, uh, him and his wife, uh, have two houses and it's kind of a complicated situation. The mom owns, some of it and you know there's other owners on it with him and you know he just got injured um he tore his whole leg up quadding his whole leg is like just bolt you know just destroyed and he's he's still walking he's a trooper quadding like off-roading and fell and it rolled on him his whole leg is torn up and he's you know he's drinking to you know reduce the pain and all that and and he's not feeling that good but he's still walking believe it or not and i gave him props for that but Definitely need to rest up, you know, but he was a really good dude, genuine dude, <clears throat> and uh, his wife was very nice, too, and they had two boys that were really nice and respectful and, and uh, shook my hand with that firm handshake, which is what they taught him. They're like, hey, we taught our son to shake hands firm to show respect, and I said, awesome. Uh, we were there for two hours at their house, and we walked their both properties. We sat and talked, and we didn't do a deal, but not that it won't happen, but just pretty much was uh, they have to make a decision. You know, he's got to make a decision, his wife and him and the family to make a decision if they're going to sell their house, move into an RV and get some land and uh, continue on, you know, and take their money because they could get a decent amount of cash and invest and start building up their financial future. Um, these are two people that don't make a hundred grand a year together. They don't. They've never made that. I don't think. He said like maybe one time he made like 150, but they don't consistently make that. And to them, it was like, wow. Like, this is the guy to meet me and 
they're like, man, you're making millions of dollars. Like, what, what is the secret? And I said, your mindset, you know? And what, when I really dive into this, okay, it don't matter how smart you are. It doesn't matter how many connections you have. It doesn't matter if you come from money or not. People who are winners are fucking winners. And that's something that you have to ask yourself. Are you a winner? Because winners don't give two shits about if they lost yesterday or anything. They're going to win today. And so I've had deals that have gone south and not made money on, but didn't stop me. Okay? You have to be honest with yourself. Are you really wanting it? Because a lot of people want to look good in the gym. Like Matt said, they want to look really good in the gym, but they ain't willing to put in the work. A lot of people want to have a beautiful wife or beautiful husband, but they're not willing to put in the work to find that person. And you know where it starts? Or yourself. Create, or create that person. Yeah. yeah, it starts with yourself. Mm-hmm. You know, I, got, I, I found my lady by just writing it down what I wanted in a woman <clears throat> and praying about it and let God show me the way. And I met her that way. Um, Matt's blessed to have, according to him, a life partner. I mean, he has a, a, they're young. It's not always common with young people, but Matt found somebody that works for him, that he's happy with, that, I mean, he always posts on his Facebook how happy he is with his lady and how impressed he is with her. And I give him props for that because mm-hmm. um, he he recognizes it. And a lot of guys don't at his age. Like, oh, there's always another one, right? Yeah. Um, and I was one of those guys in my twenties. I thought there was always a grass always greener and it took me a while to find the right one, but it, you know, but it happened. <laughs> but you had this idea that you were going to write down what you wanted. So you were, yes. you had a single mindedness about what you wanted to achieve and how you wanted to achieve it. A lot of people, they can't get to step two because they really don't know what they want. A lot of them kind of float and go I, with the That's wind. not true. They know what they want. They're just too scared to say it. It's, There's it's so the many. No, I agree with that. I don't There's know, people, man. But I have a lot of people in my life, okay? Mm-hmm. You, and you guys are right. There's people. I think it depends on the person. But I have had a lot of people that know what they want. They just don't believe they can have it. So just understand this. Like, you know what you want. Like, everybody wants success at some level. Whether it's, I want to take care of a family. I want to be a teacher. I want to teach people. I want to be, I, I love, I have friends that are engineers. They love working on stuff. Mm-hmm. There's different people, but everybody who does something, if they do a job they don't like, they originally liked it. They just eventually didn't like it. And nobody starts a job and goes, I hate this. Everybody starts a job going, hey, I'm going to check this out, see if I like it. And then over time, you don't like it, right? And then that's when it's like time to, to leave, right? But... I don't agree, and maybe that's why. And it's okay to disagree with yeah, each absolutely. other. That's absolutely. the whole purpose of this podcast. Absolutely. Is we're all giving us uh, our own opinions. But I want to be clear. I don't. I think that's a cop out. I think people that say they don't know what they want is full of shit. Like, how do you not know what you want? That's like a girl. You're, you know, you're a young guy. You go to a club. A girl's like, I don't know what I want. Bullshit. Yeah, no, I'll tell you why. Here's here's a <laughs> here's the hard part about why a lot of people don't know what they want. In my opinion, in my experience. Okay, we wake up. I guarantee most people that listen to this in the first 20 minutes of waking up from completely unconsciousness to waking up, they're looking at a cell phone, a TV screen, or a computer screen, right? So now you've got whatever that is, and I would bet within the first half hour to 45 minutes, it's social media, what other people have, right? Mm. It's what they have. And then if you have kids, you're getting the kids ready, and then you're getting ready, and then you're going to work, and then you're getting demanded by your team or your boss or your managers or you're demanding. Like there's some sort of demand at your job that you're going and going and going, and you come home, and then it's the nightly routine of whether it's working out or 
or taking care of the kids or spending time with your wife or going and hanging out with the, the boys or the girls or whatever it is and then going to bed and doing it all over again. But if you fall into that cycle, is that not subcon a subconscious admission that that is what you want? And it might be what you want, but if at the, at the end, if you're not fulfilled at that, fulfillment's the ultimate success in my opinion. If you're not fulfilled by doing it, you've lost, yeah. right? Of course, you know, you've got the finances, you've got the faith, you've got the community, you've got all these different aspects. But I mean, my dream, my dream, the thing that I wanted was to travel in an RV across the US. I just did it for two and a half months and I, I, I loved it. You know, there were certain aspects I did, that I loved. Excuse me, I did that as well. Trust me, I, I did the RV thing. And, and there, <laughs> it, it sucked at some points, right? It really yeah. did. And if you could literally pull off the side of the road and park anywhere, it'd be okay, it'd but be, you can't. You can't do that. Yeah. So the, it, it sucked a lot more than I loved it. And so now I'm living my dream, right? I'm a real estate investor. I'm traveling in an RV. This is my dream. I have the ultimate freedom. I can work from wherever I want. I'm making over 15, 20 grand a month. Like that's the dream. Every single person I told, make sure you post about it so I can live vicariously through you. Mm. I wanna see your travels because I can't do that. You're living my best life. You're living my life that I wish I could have lived that my grandparents told me they wanted to live. Well, I got to interject here. It's the Matt did have that. People said that to him. But what people don't realize, and I think this is something that the perspective, I've been in an RV, okay? I've shit in an RV. And you have to fill it up and drain your own poop, mm -hmm. okay? I'm a little bougie, according <laughs> to a lot of my friends. I'm a bougie guy. And I was told, hey, Justin, look, you want glamping. You want the best type of you know, going off. I'd rather hire a guy to do all that for me. But ultimately, Matt lived it and did it. And I think what it was is the freedom. He had the freedom to do that. And I think that's what Matt wanted is freedom. But at the same time, like, you know, we love seeing the world. I have a lot of people who travel. I think it's great. Traveling is great. Okay. I just got back from Cancun. It was amazing. At the same time, when you're young and you have no one around, you go to these places and it's just Matt and his girl and that's it, and maybe they run into some people or not, you're kind of out there all alone. So that sense of community kind of goes away. That sense of friendship goes away. And I'll tell you this, and this is the truth, I mean, look at what the social experiment just happened in the U.S. People can't be without people. Like, mm -hmm. we need each other. And more Thank than Thank you for ever, calling it that, by the way. It was a social experiment. 100%. That's exactly what that was. And, and it didn't work. It failed miserably. And, you know, we need to be... We as Americans and as people need to understand that there's a reason why we all live together with so many different mixes of cultures and religions and people because it makes us better people. Um, and that's why the United States is so great in that sense is you have a melting pot. Not, most of the world doesn't, okay? America has a big melting pot. Like I've been to other countries and, you know, it's China. It's mo mainly Chinese, you know? Uh, Vietnam, it's mainly Vietnamese, you know? And it's nothing wrong with that. But we have a blending, you know, one of the things that made our country great is immigrants, you know, from all over the world, bringing their best, their best life. And so, but back to what we're saying, we're saying about what you want, what you want. Yeah. Everybody knows what they want. When you're a kid, you know what you want. I was a little kid and they asked us, what are the two jobs you would do? And I remember as a kid, I said, well, I want to be a firefighter by the day so I can put out fires during the day. And at night, I want to be an astronaut. Well, when I was a kid, that made a lot of sense to me. Now as an adult, who the hell can firefight and fly in a jet? Like maybe, well, maybe Tesla and Elon Musk is going to figure it out. But <laughs> like most people are, yeah, like all of a sudden they're going to hear this and go, wow, that's a great idea. Fighting yeah, fires, yeah. flying it out, you know, but 
it took it takes a very unique individual to be an astronaut. It, it's a crazy amount. Of, I've watched videos on it, and it is not easy. Uh, I get nauseous on a roller coaster. I don't think I would be able to be on that. Oh, but the, it, the G's, the, the actual the force whole, on the body. Yeah. My, you know, and I'm a pretty fit dude myself. I don't think my body could handle it. <laughs> yeah, it's so it's, ridiculous. It is a tough, tough thing. And so for me, I had to recognize, and I think some people like you have these dreams. But then you gotta be realistic. Well, yeah, and I want to with your skill set. And I want to pull this back in of like your your goal. And I also think that people. Richard Branson said this. He said, "You overestimate what you can do in a year. You underestimate what you can do in ten. Okay. Don't worry about having that dream life at the end of this year. Don't worry about that. Look at what you've done so far. Where are you at right now? What's your if it's fitness? What's your body weight? What's your fat percentage?" How's your cholesterol? How's your blood pressure? If it's finances, what's your bank account look like? What's your savings account look like? How are your credit lines? What's your DTI? What's your uh, credit score? If it's your relationship, are you sleeping in the same bed every night? How often are you being intimate with each other? How often are you going on dates? If it's with your kids, how much time are you spending with them? How much, you know, are they excited when they see you? Are they, if they're grown adult kids, are they calling you to have a beer? Are they calling you to hang out? Like, it's pretty simple to assess where we're at right now mm-hmm. over a, let's just say a 30-day period how how are the things that are how are they now let's set let's just set a 90-day goal where do i want to be in 90 days like what what can i realistically do in 90 days and even stretch it a little bit let's say i'm set to make you're, you're working five you're making five grand a month okay so in 90 days it's fifteen thousand. it's my goal now to make twenty thousand. How do I make that extra five grand in the next 90 days? Start baby, start small. Don't, don't go after a million dollars because once you start chasing a million dollars, it's just going to run. Yeah. It, the, and the, that number is arbitrary anyway. I think yeah. the, the number of a million or yeah, yeah. 10 million is, is just reflection just of arbitrary. the work. That, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Um, what, I'm, what I'm saying is if you're starting out and you're starting from zero, you're, you're, you are, this is for the person that you're working a job and that is your sole source of income, right? Somewhere 60 to $100,000, right? That's that's who I'm assuming is probably gonna want more right. out of life. You're working a job. Don't go after the million dollar business. Go after, how can I, f- I mean, dude, I started flipping cars. My first car made 200 bucks. I bought it for 900, sold it for 1100. Cool, I made 200 bucks. How can I do it again and again and again? And now that 200 is now, how do I make 20 grand? Right? How do I make an extra 20 grand? How do I make an extra 40 grand? And if you're Justin, it's 200. Yeah, if it's Justin, it's 200. But also, I have the perspective. I used to look at Justin and be a little bit jealous, right? Oh, I just went to Cancun. I just got a Tesla. I've got the wife. I got the kids. You know, got the, the dope watch and the rings and all this stuff. I'm like, man, why don't I have that? Brand new boat. Yeah, I just bought a brand new boat. The Razor, oh, like the house, trucks, like all yeah. this stuff. But I'm... I'm two years into my entrepreneurial investor journey. Justin's 17. I was going to say year 17 at this Justin's point. Justin's 17 years down the line. Like, yeah, I started in 05, so like, yeah. Like, why, why is a 17-year-old sprinting a 100-meter sprint in, in 15 seconds and the two-year-old is crawling to the finish line? Right. I made, I made my first million, though. Like, also, it depends on where you're in, right? So the market, when I was in it, guys, just so you're clear, is it was a different game. You know, and, and this is the other thing that's good to know is market conditions. You know, mm-hmm. it's when Matt got in it, a lot of people were in it. Mm-hmm. Um, when I started in it, it was, there was, it was a lot of people in it, but there was a lot of properties. I mean, at the time when the market crashed, 
just to give you guys an idea and perspective in Arizona, the trustee sales in the auctions for foreclosures in 2009 were 50 to 60,000 a day going to auction. Okay. Wow. Now, out of those, a lot of them postponed, but there'd still be 800, 1,100 houses. So it was not uncommon to get a house for opening bid, mm-hmm. you know? And at that time, you could resell it because they were selling for 30 cents on the dollar, 20 cents on the dollar. It was not uncommon to sell it at 60, 70 cents on the dollar. And it wasn't uncommon that they only needed paint carpet. And it wasn't uncommon that these homes were in pretty damn good condition. Um, it's just everybody got screwed. And there was homes selling at auction that didn't even weren't even in foreclosure. But the banks were so screwed up, they were selling people's homes that weren't. And I don't know if you guys know this, but a lot of companies got sued. I'm not going to name what companies, but a lot of companies got sued. And I would get houses and get the deed, and I'd get a call from the lawyer, their lawyer. Hey, I know you bought this at auction. They're not mad. The lawyer wasn't mad at me, but he was like, just want to let you know, um, this bank is going to give you $40,000 settlement right now. $40,000. You bought the house yesterday. We're going to give you forty grand. Like I think it was within five days. I'd get a call. Here's $40,000. Now, the house, I probably could have made a hundred, but it was like I had to be do the right thing, sell it back to the person. I didn't want to sell them without, and then they'd be sitting in limbo. And the truth of the matter is the legal system in America is slow. And if you actually go to court, it's slow. You know, it's not awful, but it's slow. And so most people just, 99% of people who have who get screwed, they just move on. Mm. Unless they got money for a lawyer. And at that time, not a, lot of people, a lot of people had that. So it depends on the market you're in. You know, I was in the probably one of the worst crashes we've ever had in the United States history. Mm. And the opportunities to make money were huge. And as anybody knows, whenever there's great distress, there's great opportunity. At the same time, it took me a long time to to make my skills better, but anybody who would have bought homes, okay, in that time would have been a millionaire in one year, no problem. Um, at the same time, it ha- you, I was again hungry, right? I saw opportunity, you know. I I had I I got lucky. I found the right investor that helped me. Um, shout out to my boy Dan. You know, there was he was an older guy that met me and took me under his wing and said, hey, I'll, I'll fund all these deals, you know, but let's go 50-50. And so I gave him half the profit. Mm-hmm. But it was, but it was like, unreal how much money I made. You know, half the profit is better than none. Mm-hmm. And all I had to do was list the house, you know, get it rehabbed, and that was it. And then he told me to use his son, so me and his son would, his son would run the job. I would tell him what we need done and to get it sold, and then we'd sell it. So you're hiring his son to do the rehab. I hired his son to, and then to manage it. Oh, okay. He did some of the work, but he hired guys. And at that time, everybody was out of work, bro. Every construction, every contractor was out of work. Wow. So guys were willing to work for nothing. I mean, we had people painting houses back then for like 800 bucks, and now people want four or five grand. So it was just an all-out <laughs> craziness. And I had a meeting today with a guy who's a multimillionaire in Mesa, um, and he wants to buy properties from me and do deals. But he told me, he's like, I don't think this market's going to go down. Everybody's telling us, like, oh, it's going to crash, going to crash. He's like, opposite. Rental market has gone through the roof. Rentals affect value. And if you can rent your house out, why would you foreclose on it? So the, the thing is, for 35 years, rents stayed the same. He said from like 1975 to like 19 or 2005, rents stayed the same in Phoenix and Arizona. Phoenix and Mesa, the rent was the effing same. He goes, I owned 34 plexes in Mesa, Chandler, Gilbert. Um, he owned these properties, okay? And he said, to, told me today, I can't name them because reasons, but he said to me, he goes, I've owned, he goes, I sold all of them in like 06. So he got out like perfect timing before the market right, just tanked. Yeah. And he told me the reason it tanked is because the rental. He goes, but now these little shithole 
you know, fourplexes are getting 1100 per unit. So he goes, that's $4,400 a month. That's why they're selling for 400, 500 grand. He goes, back then they were selling for uh, $65,000 in the 70s and that price stayed, you know, went to 230. He said he sold them around 260. Mm-hmm. But he said he was at 260, they weren't getting more than two grand a month. Now these same properties are getting 44, 4,500 a month. So you have to look at the rental income. If you're going to buy rentals, you can't just go, oh, the market's going to fucking crash. You're a fucking idiot. You've got to look at what the signs are, <coughs> right? But if the market does adjust or does crash, there's a moratorium on foreclosures right now. There's a possibility that things come out. But it's depending on how the banks happen. If the, There's two ways to look at it. One, the banks could be stupid again and just sell everything off. Or the banks could go, hey, we're going to let it trickle in. We're going to like, here's a couple, here's a couple, here's a couple. The truth of the matter is they have that control. And with what Matt said, where they printed out 40% of the population's money got printed out this last year during COVID, don't be fooled that the banks have tons of money, if not more than they've ever had in their life. And a lot of this money was given to them and it's free. So just understand the Federal Reserve prints money, right? Federal Reserve has money, prints money. We used to be at a gold center, we're not. We have to understand as a society that everything has to do with the way the society feels and how it's manipulated by certain powers, government and banking. And if government makes good decisions, like first time buyers, here's a credit of $20,000. Hey, here's an (coughs) opportunity for this. Get in. You know, if there's, if in Matt's a loan officer, so I mean, if you think about it, look at loans. 15 years ago, guys, they were giving out loans to people who worked at Walmart who said they were an account manager and they pushed shopping carts and they were getting approved for $600,000 house. And then all of a sudden they foreclosed. So now there's, there is good things, regulations that came in where they have to document your income. Right. And if they don't, and there's, there's, they're called a hard money lender that's going to give you a different loan. So I just want people to understand this. And I know it's a lot of information at once. So ask your questions. Send us emails and I can get more into it. Absolutely. But, uh, I, I do have this question that kind of le- leads back into something that you said during um, that particular statement, which was uh, this idea. You sent me a text today and you talked about generational curses. Yep. And mm-hmm. I know you wanted to touch on that. And I yep. think what you just spoke about kind of touches on that with the, the makeup of America and how, you know, the 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 winds shift with basically the feeling and how that affects you culturally and, com- and in the community. Can you speak to that? So I feel so one of the things today is like so my my lady is Hispanic and a big thing with Hispanic people is they're all about family, you know, love, family, friendships, all that. But there's also a thing that a lot of people don't talk about, um, which is a lot of the men cheat in the in the Latin community and they it's just unsaid. It's like, okay, you can do it, but I don't know about it. Um and that's just something that I told, you know, my lady and I told her friend today, I was like at lunch, I was like, Look, I think it's very important to let people know that that's something that you can change. It starts with one, two, three, four, to accept that. Um, and if you're with somebody who's cheating on you or lying to you and you just accept it, well, that's your that's eventually your issue. I totally agree with that's that. That's not the other person. I totally agree with that. So we just need, and I, and I say this too, it could be money. You could grow up poor, right? Um, a lot of, I mean, there's a lot of guys who are Hispanic that are killing the game in, in Arizona. So it doesn't matter what race you are. Um, I bet being bilingual helps in closing Bilingual helps. Bilingual helps. But even then, I mean, I can hire a Spanish-speaking person and have them close deals for me. I don't have to be Spanish-speaking to close deals, right? I don't speak Chinese, but I sold Chinese people houses, right? So it's it's going to be what I, I really want this to, to people to really get this. The way that you think about your person, like you as a person, the way you feel about yourself greatly affects everything around you. And if you're 
a person that's like, no, it, it's just the way it is. My mom and dad, this is what happened. You know, we're poor. They cheated on each other. I, I come from a broken home. You can still succeed. Mm-hmm. Okay. You don't, ha- if you're a person that's like hurt by something happened to you, you can pray in the name of Jesus to remove that hurt and pain. You can go to a church. You can be around other men in groups or women's groups. You can reach out to people that need help. If you're a alcoholic and you want to get help, there's alcoholic anonymouses. There's places you can go and no one's judging you. There's a lot of options for people. If you're broken and you just feel like, hey, I need to be around some like people, there's plenty of places you can look up that are there to help you. There's a lot of people in the world that want to help you. Okay. You don't, you know, and so it really comes down, and I would I would say me myself, I've had a lot of work on myself. Okay. I have had to do a lot more work on myself than I've ever had to do on other people. Yeah. It starts within. Mm-hmm. And and when you say uh Obviously, we're talking about a, a generational sort of thing. Uh, you may not have the greatest relationship, let's say, with your parents, or or in some cases, you don't have parents. Right? Maybe you grew up with no. Maybe you grew up with a grandpa. Maybe you grew up with nobody. Yeah. Maybe you were in an orphan an orphan home. All you have to think about is you're here now. You can change your life. Yeah. It doesn't mean that you're stuck. You're not a loser. You're not trash. You're not. It's like you can't think. I'm not wanted. The, the biggest thing I, I really want people to touch bases on is Matt just said, hey, I, I don't come from money. Mm-hmm. I don't have family that have money. And, and that's crazy to think that he's not even 30 yet, and he just said he's got a couple hundred thousand dollars he's done, and he's got a $70,000 credit card. Maybe he's got more now. Mm-hmm. But the fact that and, – and he doesn't like to brag – but the biggest thing that I think is important is to really consume that knowledge and go, okay, this is a guy who's who's telling me I can do it too. Like if Matt can do it, you can do it. Absolutely. Guys, I understand, like, I don't like giving unsolicited advice very often, but <laughs> something that I would get in my head about when I would see people, I'd, I'd look at people and be like, oh, man, that's – there's two ways to look at a successful person, right? You throw shade at them because you're jealous – or you, uh, you appreciate what they have and what they've done, mm. and so you appreciate it. There's really not much in between. Yeah, there's, I agree. There's not very many yeah. people that are like... Love or hate them, right? Yeah. There's like, not very many people that are like, cool. By the way, that's my favorite song, Love or Hate Them. Yeah. You know, Love or Hate Them. Love and Hate Them, yeah. yeah. What's, what's crazy about that, though, is this is where I kind of do lean a little bit towards what Justin said about people knowing what they want but being afraid because mm-hmm. you do have people who... Yeah, they want the nice car. They want mm-hmm. the nice house. They want the beautiful mate. They the, want the, the successful the, yeah, life, yeah, right? Yeah. But they feel somewhat guilty for saying it. Well, like we, call it we call it the American dream, right? right. Everybody wants this American let, dream. Let, this so is great. all psychology, right? You're big on psychology. Yep. So I would say if you if you want something, like genuinely you know exactly what you want and you're not going after it, congratulations. You have a normal working brain. Your brain is working how it should be. Your brain is wired to survive. Your brain is wired to to assess threats. It's it's wired to find food. It's wired to find water. And when you have all of the things that you need and your survival is easy, your brain doesn't try to find more problems. It doesn't try to find more opportunities. You have to surround yourself. And the first thing you need to do is craft your environment, right? Work within. So work on your internal environment and your external environment. Whether that's in within yourself, emotional drama, past drama, financial drama, trauma, drama, whatever it is, you need to take care of that. And then you need to be around people that make that normal, right? It's a lot different when I'm sitting in a room and having these types of conversations with Justin versus um, we have a shop on Mill Avenue in Tempe 
And it's a lot different having a conversation with Justin when we talk about this stuff versus when I go talk to the, to the guys that are homeless on Mill Avenue and I have real conversations with them, right? Oh, I can't do this because of this. I can't do this because of this. I can't do this because of this. And regardless if those things are valid or lies or whatever, if you're around people that are always justifying things, oh, I can't because it's, it's my birthday. I can't because it's this person's birthday. Oh, this person just died. There's COVID. There's, I, I don't have the money. I don't have this. I don't have that. If you're around people that are constantly saying that or complaining about their rent or complaining about this or complaining about that, what are you going to do? You're going to make excuses and complain. Agreed. When you're around people, when you're around people that are talking about faith, when they're, whether you agree with it or not, around people that talk about money and politics and all of these things, and, and they have a base mentality of taking ownership and leading the charge, what are you going to think about, right? Showing up at 4.30 for swim practice is crazy every day unless all of your friends are swimmers and they're all in that room on that team with you. Showing up at 4.30 in the morning for swim practice is normal. And if you're late, what's wrong with you, right? You need to to create a new normal. Like reaching for new heights needs to become the new normal, right? Once you're reaching, once I hit a million, million's normal. It's two million. Once two million, like I'm sure once you hit two, three million in a year, you're like, okay, that was cool. How do I get more? I was just going to say that. One time he tells me, and I'm not just going to say the number because I, I think it's arbitrary, but he says, yo, Gray, we just closed X amount of houses today. And I'm thinking to myself, like, Jesus, Damn. bro, you're killing it. And I literally, I'm like, send him a message. I'm like, you're killing it. And he literally sends me a message back like, no, 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 this isn't killing it. It's normal. This is normal. Mm-hmm. I'm like, Justin, <laughs> you're a monster, bro. Like, you don't even understand. This is why people need to hear that. And I do want to thank you for, for sharing your experience because I feel like a lot of people need to hear that young 23-year-old hunger and hustle because, you know, you have a mate who's depending on you to be ambitious and go out there and get it, whereas in a lot of people may not have someone holding their feet to the Look, fire. Look, dude, so. the, the one thing I want to do all day is sit in my room, play video games, eat freaking Doritos, like <laughs> smoke weed. Like, that's what I want to do. You're like, Matt, what do you want to do all day? Maybe not sit in my house. I'd rather be at the beach. Right. But, dude, I'd much rather go surfing all day, smoke some weed, and drink at night and, you know, have a fiesta. Like, that's what I want to do. Well, what we're talking about that, that's the thing is about this podcast. We don't get into our, like, personal lives, yeah. right? But the reality is, like, you make the money to enjoy it. Yeah. So, like, what Matt's saying is, like, hey, if I go make $20,000, I deserve a day to go get fucked up, smoke some weed, yeah. hang out, and chill. And and that's a good point he brought up is we need to enjoy our money, too. Mm-hmm. So you go hustle, you're hustling, you're doing all this stuff. You'll get burned out if you don't go out to the lake enjoy or go bit. enjoy or take a vacation. Yeah. So one of the biggest things that I, I tell everybody is, you know, every three months you should probably take a vacation. Mm-hmm. If you're making this kind of money and you're enjoying this kind of money, it doesn't have to be a crazy expensive vacation. But it could be I went to Florida, went Dude, to Miami, even, went to Texas. Even, even if it's took a weekend, Greece, right, or something like that. Yeah, I went. Well, I went to Cancun with the Bahamas, but I'm also this is my. You know, we have plans in December for. Well, do we've even gotten hotel rooms here in for friend from church and. Uh, it's just crazy. I was just in there, and I, I realized there's just not as many leaders as there was even 30, 40 years ago. I mean, you don't have great leaders that are really standing up for the real truth. You have a lot of people that are just like, ah, eh, whatever. The media sucks. The news sucks. Don't listen to it. And I and I and I really got it. Really hit me. I was like, 
why don't we have more leaders that are like, this is bullshit what's going on in the media. This is bullshit what's going on in the news. This is not cool. I don't like it. We have a government that's literally letting this shit happen. And I'm not saying they should interject or, or get involved in it. It should be, but there should be people that are like, I'm not going to subscribe to this. I'm not going to listen to this media. I'm not going to watch these stations because of this stuff no more. And if you don't watch it, how are they making their money? And I think there needs to be people. And I'm, for one, that's one of the reasons I, I was like, okay, this is obviously a reason I started the podcast. But leading doesn't have to be so difficult. And if you feel like everyone is going to judge you, right? Like, I'm not going to be your friend, Justin, because you said something I don't agree with. Fuck them. Fuck those people. And I say it with all heart, I mean, all due respect, I'm sick of hearing people talk shit out of their ass when they have no reason to talk about that subject. Mm -hmm. Unless you've fucking done that shit, whatever you're talking about, unless you're in it, shut the fuck up. And if you have the audacity, mm -hmm. we're not friends. Yeah. yeah. I, I, would, I, I don't yeah. like Captain America. I, I like Batman. We're not yeah. friends. Right, Like, right. that's literally how you sound when you're talking, whether it's vaccinations or, <laughs> or politics or whatever. If you can't, if you can't disagree with somebody when it comes to a topic like that, you're not, that's a sign to me that you're not either mentally or emotionally mature. Because if somebody can't disagree with you and you can't learn from them, how are you going to, like, how are you going to keep in touch with, like, the different sides of this you're thing? Not. You're not. If you're always focused on, like, if you if all you read is like Republican news, Republican, 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 <laughs> Republican, 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 of course that's what you're gonna think and believe. Yeah. But then when when a, when somebody that disagrees with you and is more liberal comes to, and approaches you and says, no, actually, you know, I'm just gonna use Obama because he was you know Democratic. No, Obama actually did some good things. He did this, that, and the other thing. And if you're just gonna insult them and be like, no, you're wrong, f you, you're not friends, you're pos and right, whatever, right. like. Bro, you don't know. You didn't do your research, or maybe this person did more research. And what what did that do? How did that affect that community? How did this happen, dude? Like, if you're gonna be a leader, your number one thing is not doing commands. It's asking questions. I I think to directly address what Justin asked though is why aren't there more leaders today as there were, let's say, 30 years ago? Is because, in my opinion, leadership is more dangerous than it was 30 years ago. You know, I guess you could say yes and no. My my opinion is, you know, people have, I don't know if you guys know this, but there was a guy who came out with battery-powered vehicles in the 80s, and he was killed. We don't know how. Nobody knows why. But Elon Musk created him, and he's not dead. So I don't necessarily agree, but I can understand, too, technology now is way more advanced than it was 30 years ago, where you can pretty much find out anybody and where they are and this and that. That might be a way people can't hide as much, I guess you'd say. But those leaders didn't hide, man. They rioted in the streets. They didn't, they didn't trash buildings. You know, Martin Luther King didn't trash buildings. He had people stand up for what was right, okay? And I feel like we go back to those people and we talk about them. And we have streets named after them. And we have history books on them. But no one really now wants to rise up and go, this is wrong. I, I'm going to say a, a, a big reason why people are scared to lead, and it creeps into my mind sometimes, is it's freaking hard. Like, you, you're, you're rattling off these iconic names. Nelson Mandela, how long did he spend in prison? 
Martin Luther King, how much did, time did he spend in jail? Freaking, you know, like all these, Donald Trump, how much did that dude sleep? <laughs> how much time did he actually spend with his family? How many phone calls and pure bullshit did that dude have to deal with in order to be the president when he didn't have to be? Like, if we want to rattle off these great names, the leaders back in the day, they're getting sprayed with fire hoses riding up and down the streets. Like, to be a leader, when you're in that dark room working late at night, editing the podcast, working on this, working on that, and you're by yourself, if you don't have the, the, the grit inside of you to tenacity. get through it, the tenacity to keep going, everybody's willing to lead today. Everybody's willing to lead yesterday and tomorrow. But are you willing to lead tomorrow times 10 years, 100 years? And then how, long, how consistent can you be a leader for but the other, but other thing, the, so the reason like it really hit me and like when I was talking about it and why I texted you that before we came on was Matt's right. I mean, there's a lot of leaders that went to prison. Um, there's a lot of leaders who were hurt, stabbed, shot at, whatever. But let me ask everybody, let me ask the audience a question. If your daughter was raped, would you let it just happen or would you rise up? If you had a kid that was abducted, would you stop looking? Is that famous video of that guy shooting the guy who got convicted of his uh, the son's like molestation or something at the, the airport? Remember yeah. that famous video and the guys like standing by the the phones and he just turned. This is back before there was no security at airports. So you yeah. could tell it's super grainy video. Turns around, shoots the dude, and then just puts the gun down, lets himself get arrested because what happened to his son. So so I call it, <laughs> I Justin, what, what, what you're you talking about. I call it an FTE. It's called a fuck this event. It's a moment in your life. That's great. It's a moment in your life where an accumulation of things have happened and you are just done. Fuck this, dude. I'm making a change. And until you experience that in your life and you like genuinely, like it is down to your bones and flows through your blood, you're not going to step up. But the only way that things change is we change. Absolutely. There's no way. There's no way that the world is going to change if we don't create better kids, if we don't step up and be the correct parents, if we don't work. I'm not saying anybody's perfect, but you work on it, right? That you raise your kids to be hello, respectful, open doors for women, strong, firm handshake, strong, strong firm handshake. Yeah. Yeah. Um, look me in the eyes when you, you talk. Look in the eyes. Um, compliment people on their house like well you know i really like your tile i really like your granite they have nothing to compliment compliment them on hey boys if you smells guys, good in here you know, if you smell, want yeah. a good if you're trying to pick up a woman at a restaurant hey i like your nails nice eyelashes it could be anything it's literally that simple compliments yeah like you know i got a lot you know like people think those lines are corny i got lost in your eyes but if it's sincere yeah you know beautiful I, eyes. I think it's just we as a society need to work on all of us, including I'm including myself. I'm not saying I'm not a work in progress. I always say I'm WIP. And it's it's really good like to close this out to say, why aren't you leading your life? And if you're not leading, if yeah. you're not, why aren't you leading your family? What's your excuse? Yeah, what's your excuse? You're you're a dad, you're a mom. Like we just had a guy come on here who has five kids, married, and he's making two hundred fifty k. Killing grand. it. And probably even more. He called me the other day. He's like, bro, I just found a hundred thousand dollars spread. Let's go do this deal. You know, guys, it's. Can we, can we do a strategic way to overcome that shit? Literally, if you have an excuse, write down every excuse you can on a lined piece of paper. I have 
five kids, I don't have money, I don't have this, I don't have that. And then go back and write the solution for every single one of those. And then if you can't find the solution, go to your spouse. Hey, how can we overcome this? Go to your brother. How can how could we get around this? Go to your friend. How can we overcome this? I guarantee you talk to 10 people and you show them all your lame ass excuses. Yeah, you're going to you're going to have a sheet full of solutions yeah. and then at that point the only reason you're not where you're going to be where you want to be in a year or two years is because of the person in the mirror. Well, the other thing is too is I think I think that's a great point. And the other point is a lot of people have this fear of failure. Like, oh my God, you know, I, I could fail. I failed three times. I made it lost. I made it lost. You're gonna fail. Lost. You're that's gonna crazy. You, it's gonna it's gonna happen. You're, you're, gonna, you're gonna fail. You're either gonna fail short term or long term and things can happen. And not everybody, I hate to say it, but not everybody's gonna be a millionaire. Some people are just gonna be okay. But if you go on the right path and you push through, some people, the first obstacle, they're done. Right? There's a flood in the house. I'm done. I'm not going to flip anymore. Some people are like, no, I'm going to go fucking clean that, vacuum that shit up. I'm going to knock it out. There is, there's definitely, and these are, I know a lot of people who flip homes that are full-time attorneys, that are full-time moms, that are full-time, you know, have another job, another career. Not everybody who flips homes does what I do, right? Some people have one a year, two a year. I have a friend of mine who's an attorney who's done like three flips this year. You know what I mean? He's not doing a crazy amount of volume, but he... Has a crew. He buys one, fixes it, sells it, and he calls me up. He's like, hey, Justin, I want you to sell it for me. But don't be afraid of failure because I know people who waited five, ten years to get in the market. Look what they could have done ten years ago. Like, if you ever – you sure – all of us have heard somebody go, man, I should have bought a house like four years hmm. ago. You know what I mean? Like, oh, man, it was like 150 grand. Now it's five. I th- I, dude, I think if you're afraid of failure, you're afraid of success. Like, you have to fail. Yeah. Because the grand ma- you said grand master earlier, the grand masters failed more. Hey, than isn't the, it true? And I'm not more than the beginners. Isn't it true? Like you guys, I, I think everybody out there has seen the Van Damme movies, right? Like, oh, yeah. oh, if they haven't, Bloodsport. If they right? haven't, they're too young. Damn what it. is the best thing? You got to watch that movie. But what is the best thing that happens when his leg breaks? It regrows stronger, right? When our muscles break down, what do they do? Right, so if you're in the gym, as long as it's fuel, you gotta fuel it. Yes, but you got yeah, you gotta take the right stuff. But what I'm saying is, what do muscles do under stress? They tear. Uh huh. And what happens after? And then you rest, and they rebuild, rebuild, and they're and they and they're stronger. Mm -hmm. So everybody out there who breaks down, and you know whatever way you break down, you know, you're gonna get up stronger. You're gonna be twice as hungry and twice as hardworking the second time around mm. than the first time. Because now you're like, okay, I fucking lost everything. Now I have nothing to lose. And who's the most scariest people? You yeah, have nothing, you to, lose. nothing to lose. Yeah. Right? Like, that's the beautiful thing. So leaders who don't have anything to lose and don't give two shits about what the government says, what people say, because at the end of the day, as long as you're not breaking laws, you're not running out killing people, right? You're not out hurting people. You're ethical. You're, you're moral. ethical. You're moral. Yeah. Like they're not going to come after you. So do your job and get out there and make that money and be honest. Hey, I'm brand new. I would love to do this. I'm willing to put in the sweat equity. I mean, shit, I've watched people put in sweat equity. Somebody funds it. They're willing to do the work. Hey, you know what? If you're too, you know, to demo or you don't you don't want to paint i mean very few people do not know how to rip things out and know how to paint yeah so go in and paint and do that and everything else find people to help you with if you don't know how to lay tile 
Go and find a towel guy. Say, hey, I'm going to pay this guy, but I'm going to do all this other stuff. Who cares? If you give away some money, it's better than all of it. Yeah. You can make money. And the other thing is, like, there's so many people that – there's a lot of people like myself that want to help people. There's been times where Matt – I've borrowed Matt money to do deals, and Matt's like, cool. There's so many people I've ventured in. Like Oscar said, I gave him 20 grand to start to do a deal. He had some money. I gave him some money. But if Oscar would have said I need 50, I would have done it, right? There's – there's people that I believe in, right? So make some people believe in you, right? Give them that that pitch, you know? Like so many times you watch these movies at the end of the movie and everybody's like, oh my God, they're clapping and the people made it. But you watch that movie and you see a glimpse of what they went through. But it's a movie. It's quick, right? But usually people don't realize movies could be three years, four right. years, five years, ten years out. So what Matt said in the, you know, about the ten years that – you know, don't look at just a year out, look at 10 years out. What if you are 30 right now? You got two kids. You, you're not making the money you want. You make 80 grand a year. You work for the city or something, right? And you go, how do I do it? My wife's home, taking care of the two kids. How do I invest? I bet money you know somebody that you could go find a property and do a deal with or partner with them or whatever. I know realtors who partner five, six people on one house. You ain't going to make 50 grand. You might make 15 each, right? So, but don't be hating on the 15K because if you start small and you make 10, 15, 20 grand over a 10-year period, right, it's just going to keep growing because there's also a thing called compounding. Hey, don't spend it. (laughs) We'll talk about on the next episode, we'll talk about compounding interest. How do banks get rich? Compounding. And that's something I think Matt, you know, and Catherine, his girl, like, could talk about is compounding interest and the growth of money. But like you said, to cap it off, we need more leaders. I'm here to be a leader on this podcast. I'm here to to tell people the real what can work for them. And I I'm shouting out to all the people who've listened. I got a boy in Florida who was listening to me on a podcast. I have people in Arizona that blow me up. I have people in, in Nevada that have been talking to me in Vegas, my boy Derek in Vegas. Um, I got my boy Adam who listened, you know, yeah. and, and we're not. What's up, Adam? Yeah, we're not, what's up, bro? We're not really at the level we can be, but with you guys listening and you guys telling people about it and you guys getting word of mouth, um, you know, our hope would be, you know, to just grow and get these questions in. Have, so definitely, no, have, definitely. Have you do told it. them the fee for listening to this podcast? <laughs> the fee, the fee to listen to this podcast is to tell one of your friends if you got any value out of this, go tell one of your friends to listen to this podcast. Absolutely, I couldn't. Have, sure. I couldn't have plugged it even better than that because, you know, a lot of people are looking for for uh, verified information. Uh, where they can get it from people who've actually done it. And I've always felt like you don't want to take advice from someone you don't want to be like. So if you don't want to be like Justin and, you know, have your ducks in a row in that way, (laughs) feel free not to listen to any of this. If you don't want to be like Matt Beans, feel free not to listen to any of the advice. Uh, But I appreciate the information and the experience you guys have had because it makes it easier for people who haven't walked that road to process it. You know, a lot of people have a lot of habits they already know and things they already know about the real estate market. So if you try to teach them something, they're like, but I already know how to do it. Humble yourself. Yeah, humble yourself. You don't know everything. Even if you've had some experience in the real estate industry, in the real estate market, you can still learn something from Matt. You can still learn something from Justin. So uh, I want to thank everybody for listening. Matt Beans, you've been a pleasure and a treat. Much appreciated. You're welcome on the podcast anytime. Fearless leader. 
Justin Broker, you're killing it. Uh, my name is Graydon Squares. This is the Justin Broker Podcast. A couple of uh, uh, footnotes that we have. If you guys do want to email Justin and get your questions answered, it's the Justin Broker Podcast at gmail.com. You guys, we know we do this every week, so I'll try to make sure I answer you guys' questions as soon as we get them on the next week's podcast. So make sure you guys get those questions in. If you guys don't have anything else, we're going to get on out of here. Let's run it. All right. Have a nice day. Thank peace, you, guys. Peace. peace out. Later, people. Thank you.